James. Raf. Have a look at this. If I want some milk, if I run out of milk, how long do you think it'll take to get to me? 20 minutes. 20 minutes? You don't think it'll take 10? Oh, I'm being realistic, given the current environment. Actually, if I send it to my house, you probably bang on. 17 to 32 minutes. Great. Which is great. Set my expectations low when they met them. Yeah, and then Crown Street, though, if I was to go to Crown Street, 29 to 44 minutes. To Surrey Hills. To Crown Street, Surrey Hills. Damn. And the other day, I opened up Milk Run. Yep. Instant grocery delivery app of choice, uh-huh. or my super fast grocery delivery choice. And it said to me, and this was just a random weekday, 3 p.m., first we can get it to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. So, that's- That's my instant. It's as far from instant as you could possibly get. That's, just, not- gro- that's just grocery delivery. <laughs> it's not super fast either. I wouldn't call it. Maybe a few decades ago, next day is super fast, but context matters, right? Ten-minute grocery delivery, fifteen-minute grocery delivery—the hottest startup craze of 2022. Yeah, for sure. I think it was basically, if you're looking at the whole. Whoa, sorry, it's gone wild over here with my Capital Brewing Co. Pale Ale, Coastal Ale. Sorry, that's right. Sorry, Coastal. This was, I think, this was the last big funding craze, big startup craze before everything kind of broke down and the markets went down. This was like the last thing that got super hyped. Yeah. This is one of the things where I normally kind of caveat and I say for our Australian listeners or for our international listeners or whatever. But this was like a global phenomenon. 10-minute delivery, instant commerce, instant delivery. It had a billion different names. But the unifying feature of all these different apps and platforms was that you could get groceries, among other things, but the core was groceries, delivered to you. Via bike courier in 10 minutes. E-bike. E-bike courier. Yep. Sorry, I apologize for anyone that I harmed with my remarks. <laughs> 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 or 15 minutes was the promise, yeah. usually. In many cases, or money back guarantee or some kind of thing like credit or whatever, if it was longer than 10 minutes, I'm sure that was what Milk Run said. And it was great. It was amazing. It was one of those examples of startup that unproven concept, I would say, is a charitable way of putting it. It wasn't clear if the model was necessarily going to work, but the product was great. Yeah. Early days of a lot of those new technologies, it is a feeding frenzy as a consumer. Like, same as Uber. When Uber first arrived and it was like, wait, it's eight bucks to get a nice car from Lewisham to Circular Quay or whatever. And yep. Amazing. Yeah. A lot of those early startups, because obviously they're just losing so much money and they're just trying to grow and acquire as many customers. But this is like literally, I think, one of the best examples of low versus moderate interest rate culture that exists. So, Milk Run was the big one for our international-based listeners and interstate-based listeners. Milk Run was the biggest one in Sydney, but it's probably the biggest one in Australia. Yep, easily. Headed by Danny Milham, who was the Koala Mattresses guy. 10-minute delivery, big write-up in the financial review, May 24th, 2022. That's not that long ago. No, I can remember May 2022. It was nine months ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even in the case of this write-up in the AFR's Weekend magazine, this is a glowing write-up, a long glowing write-up about how it's the fastest growing startup, it's the future of deliveries, any queries about the unit economics are brushed aside. Yet another homegrown win for Danny. And again, I just want to say I love Milk Run. First popped up, great marketing, great product, great service. Yep. 
I used it a bunch. Hyper-specific local marketing. It's launched in Erskineville and you'd get like a million hyper-local targeted ads saying that it came to your specific neighbourhood. Yeah, and all your posters will mention Erskineville as well. The chalk on the ground will mention yep. Erskineville. Everything about it, very it slick. It was really good, yeah. Cool branding, good SMS, personable feel. But unfortunately, they're just losing shitloads of money for every order that they take. Yeah. Basically, this, as I said, this was like a global trend. There were ones in all different sorts of markets, especially in the US and Europe. Companies like Joker and Getir, GoPuff, Gorillas. There was a million of them. They all have really stupid names. And it became kind of an arms race. Because unlike a company like Uber, for example, where they expanded really quickly, they rolled out in every sort of country. They had a fairly uniform sort of product that was the Uber platform. And they would release that in as many countries as they could. These instant grocery ones were location specific and required like a lot of groundwork to get them off the ground. Because they're not a pure marketplace, right? Like they need- Exactly. They need bricks and mortar where they have their stuff. But as a result of that, it was like this complete open ground for anyone in any given market, whether it be like a whole country or a city or even just like a specific cluster of neighborhoods in one city to launch their own product, which copied the model. And they all use basically the same model. Fridge No More, that's my favorite name of- one of them, which I believe RIP. Because whilst like Joker or GoPuff or whatever, Fridge No More can launch in New York, you knew that they weren't going to be able to just pop up in Sydney anytime soon. No, because it, it was really bound by the markets they were operating in. So, yeah, as a result, they have a whole bunch of them launched in Sydney and the rest of Australia seemingly at once. Milk Run was the biggest one, probably the best executed, nicest app, but there were other ones, Send, Volley. There was another one as well that comes up a lot that I, I can never remember the name of. But if maybe it wasn't even based in Sydney, I'm not sure. They have all gone away, except Milkrun. They have all failed. At the end of the day, the nature of this business is that no city is going to be able to sustain three or four of these companies. No. One, there'll be one winner, if there's going to even be one winner, because in every market in which these businesses kind of exist, they bleed money. Very few of them have found any sort of like long-term profitability. So I would say that the model itself is definitely not proven. But assuming that it could be, there's only going to be one winner in any marketplace. And that's what's played out here, even though, as we'll, we'll talk, Milk Run kind of fell to pieces. But before- Milk Run still exists, we should yep. say. Milk Run is a going concern as we speak. However, the 10-minute delivery is off the table. Yep. These companies, what they'll do, they'll come into a city. They'll decide they're going to open up in not just a city, but like specific areas within the city, like mm. neighborhoods. They will buy- a, or sorry, they will rent a space for what, like a dark store, as they're called, because they're not stores that you can go in and shop in. They're literally just like retail real estate, which they use as kind of like a mini supermarket where they store like a limited range of foodstuffs. It's not going to be as expansive as your regular supermarket. It'll be pretty like restricted. And then they will hire bike couriers to deliver the stuff, e-bike couriers, I apologize, to deliver the food. And one of the key differences to the Uber model of things it's not a marketplace. In almost every instance of these companies, not all of them, but vast majority of them, they rather than the Uber model where the customer pays directly to the driver and then Uber takes a cut, they will hire these riders as like part-time, full-time employees, basically. Yeah. At least in the case of Milk Run, I'm sure varying business models, some, sort, some are more contractors. Yeah, even in the States. They're paying per hour. A lot of them will pay, yeah, paying like an hourly fee that was like relatively consistent rather mm-hmm. than being contractual. Yeah, with the arbitrage of Uber being like you're only paying the driver when they're literally earning revenue. Correct, for- yeah. All these companies then kind of like slowly roll out neighborhood by neighborhood, suburb by suburb, getting bigger and bigger. And normally they will have 
one of these sort of dark stores in each neighbourhood that they service, one or two of them. If your promise is 10 minutes, then it's going to be basically 10 minutes e-bike away from anyone's house in your area. And in the perfect world, these couriers are going back and forth between the dark store they're assigned to and then like apartments and houses delivering stuff constantly. And that's how you get the 10-minute delivery. They're literally only ever coming from a few minutes away by a bike. So that was the model. And the reason it was compelling is that Uber is a very complicated monetization model. They have to balance the amount of people that want rides with how many riders they have, properly incentivize the riders to actually like work as much as they can, but not pay them too much so they're working enough to like service the market. There's a really complicated sort of like pricing thing that goes on here. Whereas in theory, with these ones, the business model is a supermarket business model. If they can charge enough on the food markup and delivery cost to cover how much they're paying the riders and the real estate, obviously the rental of their location, then you're laughing. Yeah. Happy well, days. Because obviously Coles, Woolworths, you're saving on the astronomical rent of the size of a supermarket. You're, to a certain extent, saving on the amount of people it takes to staff that as people in checkouts, etc. But those costs are replaced by your drivers, your riders, and the rent on the dark stores and the shadow supermarkets yep. or whatever you want to call them. Once again, like a lot of these business models, the margins are so slim to begin with. Like yep. Coles and Woolworths at 5% margins, like EBITDA, like before tax and interest repayments, etc., Not a huge margin to begin with. The promise of something like Milk Run is that they're going to find more efficiencies. And plus the fact people will be willing to pay a markup. They'll be willing to pay more than they would going to a supermarket for individual goods because they're going to get delivered. That's the idea. And the convenience will lead to viral growth. Well, as you say, it has to be a winner-takes-all market. So you can only start making a profit when everyone else has failed who's trying it because you're going to be competing on price otherwise. No one's going to go to the most expensive. If I have volley, send, and milk run, I'm just going to go with whoever's cheapest yep. if they're all in my area. Short term, you have to be losing money per customer, especially with regards to customer acquisition cost and growing because growth is the key to this and you have to scale. So you have to scale, you have to win, so you have to lose a lot of money in order to for the promise of future profit, which yep. is the same as basically any startup. The problem being like- it is unclear whether you can ever make a profit. Yeah. Like, again, with Coles and Woolworths, two of the biggest supermarket companies in Australia, the two big two with IGA. The duopoly. <laughs> IGA coming in. Oh, I actually don't know if IGA is bigger or smaller than Aldi. Smaller, I think. Yeah. Milk Run's promise was that they would take over 20% of grocery deliveries by 2026, which is relatively aggressive uh-huh. rate of growth. But, yeah, with Coles and Woolies only making 5%, it's just not a lot of money there. No, totally. Because as we said, these services, they are objectively really good and convenient. Put aside the fact that making money with them is really hard and the business model may not work. As a customer, they rock. They're so good. They're so good. Especially Uh, at this stage. Yeah. And especially with like constant towards the end of the month often as well, these incentives to buy and big like 20% off, 25% off, usually when they're trying to obviously hit like a monthly revenue goal or what have you. Yeah. They're fantastic as a customer. Exactly. When they hit the market, everyone was like, oh, what's Coles and Woolworths going to do about this? Because Coles and Woolworths, it's not, neither of them have absolutely amazing delivery infrastructure, but it's very functional. You normally the same day, not always, but depending on when you order. Yeah. But normally same day, next day, whatever. Comes in the truck. Yeah, they leave it out the front of your house. There are issues. It's like it costs a fair bit at least. Eight bucks or something for the delivery. You have to pay for plastic bags because there's no other way seemingly for them to deliver it. Yeah. 
Good news. But anyway, people were like, what are Coles and Woolworths going to do about this? How are they going to rise to the challenge of dealing with these threats? And I think what has become clear is that their strategy is nothing and just Mm. wait for them to fail. Mm, Yeah. Because they have come up with a response. Woolworths just launched- uh, Metro 60. Metro 60, which is their version of it. It leverages a whole bunch of different delivery partners like Uber. Yeah. They have a special deal partnership with Uber anyway for delivering stuff. They're basically getting an Uber driver to go and collect- a plastic bag from one of those like Woolworths metros that's either a convenience store or a petrol station and then deliver it to your home. So they're not really investing heavily in the infrastructure there. No. It's just a technological solution leveraging someone else's logistics. Exactly. And even further online, Coles has a partnership with DoorDash where at least with the Uber Woolies one, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure like the store prepares the bag and then the driver just comes in and picks it up. Picks up the bag. Whereas with DoorDash, it's kind of like the Instacart model in the Mm. US where like your DoorDash guy, who's one of the guys who rides like the little motorbikes around, little scooters, actually has to go into the store and look at the list you've given them and pull them off the shelves Mm. and then send you messages when they don't have things. It's a terrible experience. But anyway. Oh, no, I want to pause on that for a moment. I think that is one of the most- cursed experiences like when we talk about dystopic world this idea that you have a class of people just like running around getting your groceries for you that are like texting you being like they don't have the 200 grams is it okay if i get the 250 grams that is horrible (laughs) it's grim yeah no absolutely no i fully agree being paid god knows what you know they're not contract labor exactly they're not being paid hourly so like however long it takes them to like service your whatever fucked up order you've given them. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the, I think the Woolies Metro 60, which was very clearly a response to Milk Run and Send and vol- Volley, was telling. Woolworths and Coles are very good businesses. They have, like, smart people working on this stuff. They've got, like, that Woolies X, like, fucking skunk works mm. laboratory where they do, like, tech experimenting sort of stuff. Yeah, they have heaps of data. They know how to use it. They use it well. They're basically the poster child for, if you want to talk about kind of performance marketing and using yeah. their Woolworths rewards cards and everything to send you, like, hyper-specific personalized ads and, yeah, yeah. and sales. They're very good. Look, evil supermarket duopoly, absolutely, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Very and, good like, at, like, price exploiting- cartel, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exploiting, like- Farmers, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Farmers have been crushed under their boot. Yeah. All that. Put that aside. Good companies. Smart people running them. They obviously ran the numbers and were like, okay, we can do in partnership with a completely different logistics network to our own. We can promise you 60 minutes. Yeah. Which turns out, I think that seems like a point where it could be a viable business. And let's be honest, getting a full supermarket delivery or a partial supermarket delivery in 60 minutes is like- <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> no, I know. It's great. But this is one of the key issues when we start breaking down kind of the problems with the entire Milk Run, et cetera, business model. And again, I don't mean to target Milk Run. There's like a million failed businesses and probably a good time as well to say Send lasted 12 months, burned $11 million in cash. Yep. Volley, $13 million gone. And the liquidator said they were basically from day one trading while insolvent. Like, I, this business model does not work. It just- <laughs> and it's also a crime. Like- yeah, and it's also, a, it is a crime yeah. to trade while insolvent. The first big signal that the there was some issues with the instant grocery industry was the information did reporting on Joker, which is, as I said before, the New York City-based one. Mm. And they, they reported that they were losing upwards of $140, $150 on every order. Because it was so expensive to acquire customers and so expensive to deliver. Yeah, there's just no margin there. Negative $150 margin. Like, <laughs> yeah. absurd to try to run a business on that or, and try to claw your way back from it. The latest figures on Milk Run, they claim, and this is all just coming out of Milk Run, is that they're losing around $13 per order per delivery. I don't know what the cost to acquire new customers is. 
that would be quite expensive. So, I, if you sign up for Milk Run and only put through one order, it's going to cost them a lot of money because they have to factor in the marketing, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, as far as some of the issues, A, again, like every startup, the dream here is that supermarkets no longer exist and we will all be- Like one of them is called Fridge No More, for God's sake. It's yeah. like this future where you don't have a fridge and you don't have a pantry and- Anytime you need anything, you will just order it immediately and you'll be there within 10 minutes. You no longer have your yogurt sitting there in the fridge and your various condiments or whatever sitting in your pantry that you're never going to use. Your truffle oil just sitting there being like, oh, it'd be nice to have some truffle oil with the mashed potatoes and you use it once, but- Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, now you are just going to get a small single portion size of truffle oil for the meal you're about to make. That future is obviously a long way away and arguably- People like having a pantry and a fridge and yeah, yeah. just going to the fridge and making something. It's literally applying that global supply chains. Nobody really has anything stored in warehouses. It's all a day away by delivery. Yeah. And just like taking that model. Just and, in time. Yeah. yeah. Just in time. Sorry, that's the word. I was, that was the phrase I was looking for. Taking just in time and going one step further. Like you don't need to be holding this stuff either. Yeah. Like our incredible supply chain that stretches from agricultural land in fucking Peru all mm. the way to your- Kitchen bench. Yeah. Kale in 10 minutes. We can handle the whole sort of thing. Yeah. Fridge no more, literally. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe one day we'll no longer have fridges or pantries and we'll be happy. But at the moment, if you're going to milk run or whatever, for me, it's good for like milk. It's like, goddamn, out of milk. Want to make a coffee. It'd be good to have some milk. But that's obviously not- No one's making money if I'm ordering milk for five bucks or whatever. The very idea that an app would let you get a box of Magnums delivered to your door for like- (laughs) For $3 or like toothpaste- yeah, for nothing. No, no, of course not. Amazon seemed to do it next day, but like they're obviously taking a big L on that. And even then they want you to package it with a subscription. But yeah, you can't expect to open up Milk Run and buy just milk. It's seven bucks or something or eight bucks per delivery if you order less than 30 bucks. So already yeah. though, if you're in the 30 bucks plus, it's a weird middle ground. Okay, so I need a small grocery delivery and I need it now. There's actually, if you want a $30 plus grocery delivery, you're probably happy for it to come the next day. Or as you say, like in totally in 60 minutes. But I'm happy for it to come the next day or a couple of days later if I'm doing the full grocery shopping. Sweet. If I want something instantly, then it's probably one thing that these apps are not going to do. Then you move on to, okay, so what do I do for a, a bottle of milk? At least with near me, I've got service station, an IGA and a convenience store, as well as bakeries and cafes, etc. around me where I can grab two liters of milk. Yep. Because key things that Volley, Milk Run, et cetera, has to- One of the key contexts for them is that they have to be in a kind of high-density area. Yeah. And the nature of high-density areas is that there are usually options around. Yeah, absolutely. And also, there's a reason all of these apps have advertised and targeted the same sort of customer, which is like- Inner city, young professional people. Mm. Young people these days, they don't care about having a pantry stocked full of food. This is the Uber Eats generation. These mm. are people that have been trained on to just get stuff when they want it and not keep it around. Even if you're looking at, I don't know, millennials or Gen Z or whatever, you're looking mostly at kind of like inner city professionals. That's the kind of audience you're talking to. Yeah. And that's reflected in where all these companies serve. They serve densely populated inner city areas, mm. which are largely like young, hip, white collar workers or whatever. Which I, is also who their investors are. I, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't know where I got hip from, but some of them were probably hip. Yeah. <laughs> the, micro, like the milk run marketing was like cool and edgy and- Aspirationally hip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, it makes my skin crawl. No, totally. And Volley had a close up of an e-bike and someone in some new Air Max. Yeah. Like our riders are cool and hot and like edgy. Exactly. Thinking about how do you apply that business model- you know, even if we think about Sydney, okay, great. We can, we've got 
milk run operating in Bonnet Beach and Newtown and Surrey Hills, hotspots for this kind of yeah. consumer. Volley was in Manly and- Exactly. What happens when you try to go to what people say is like the backbone of the Sydney working class, shopping, working parents, young mums, people that live out in the western suburbs? Hmm. Does the model even work when it's- hmm. Does it even work in Newtown? I don't know. But is it going to work when you've got like bike crews riding around Liverpool? No. Like big western suburbs. Yeah, property size with no commercial real estate either. So, it's like- a, where do you get your ghost kit, like your ghost supermarket or your dark supermarket? Yep. And B, yeah, how does someone cycle? Can you be there within 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes of yep. every single one of those properties? Yeah, exactly. So, is, is it even, are you even thinking about expanding out to those areas or are you going to stay small? There are so many weird questions. I don't know if the business model has any answers for that, basically. Yeah. In the deck that was leaked, it jumped more quickly, rather than what do you do with like lower density areas, superannuation, the everything app. That was the promise of Milk Run to investors. Oh, yeah. yeah. In their deck, they talked about turning it into Australia's everything app. The pod we've talked about <laughs> a lot, all these apps that say, we're not just going to, yeah, we'll start doing this one thing, but eventually you're going to live your entire life on Milk Run. You're going to be able to do everything. Probably about pay taxes on there. You'll be able to book a holiday. Use it as a wallet, as a digital wallet. That's the big one that everyone likes to promise. I don't think there's any better indication of the vibe shift than this AFR article. I mean, to be honest, a lot of these super fast delivery startups are already failing with interest rates <laughs> like super low. But then May 24th, 2022 was when this kind of glowing piece on Milk Run was written. Do you remember what interest rates were in May 2022, nine months ago? They'd be under 0.5%. Yeah, 0.35%. Now we're at 31 Yep. The only one left in Australia, actually not the only one left, but the only major one left is Milk Run. As you said, like these things have kind of been up all the time because you can- The other business model is the Instacart model, as you say, where it's, yeah, you're more hiring a, an, an Uber driver equivalent to go in and order for you. Like one's called Sherpa. That's- <laughs> Yeah, you can't do that. You can't. Surely. <laughs> anyway, basically one of the big VC funded ones remains in Sydney and they're no longer 10 minutes. There's no longer money back for it being later than 10 minutes. In fact, it might not even be the same day. That's the difference that 3% will do to you. <laughs> But yeah, as you say, it wasn't even clear if it was working before that as well. I still think there is like a, there is a version of this that works because I think the initial promise where it's our economics, there's none of this crazy sharing economy, economy, weird Uber pricing where we need to incentivize riders with quests to like work more. It's all, it's all there. We just need to find the right pricing model and like system and promise to make it work. And I think something like that probably does exist. There probably is a price point and offering where this works, but- it is either going to be one of two things. They're going to have to give up pricing by making it a luxury product. Yeah, this is the Hino hypothesis. Yeah. A lot of these fantastic services actually only exist for upper middle class people. Yeah, exactly. A lot of these businesses that have been trying to change the way everybody does works or like lives and buys things and whatever can only actually be a luxury product. You know, this came up a lot last year. It popped up in a lot of think pieces. The idea of the millennial lifestyle subsidy that like all the cool frictionless experiences we enjoyed in the 2010s, if you were in your 20s in the 2010s, you were living because- yeah. You might not have had great job prospects through no. the GFC, but you, you could get a- by on a dime. Yeah. Like, a mobile phone and a dime, that's all you needed. <laughs> you, you may, yeah, exactly right. You may not have had a great or stable job. You definitely didn't own property, but <laughs> you'd be able to get $8 Ubers and, and get stuff delivered to your door really easily. And with the idea being that like there were these shadowy forces who were subsidizing your lifestyle, but now the tax man's come knocking. Yeah, the roosters come home. And you got to start paying for it. Like this could very well play into that. 
where it's, okay, to get this amazing quick delivery sort of option, probably only ever going to be available in like these specific neighborhoods where relatively wealthy people live or mm-hmm. people with solid incomes and they're going to charge you out the ass for it. And there's going to always going to be people who are going to pay for that. So yeah, great. Yeah. In that vision, it's certainly not changing the world. And the other side of it is they give up on the, they make the service worse. They keep the prices like relatively low. The 10 minute aspect goes completely out the window, which, which it seems- already has. It seems that a milk run's promising anything from 20 minutes up to an hour on average. And um, they pay their employees really well. That Probably has to go. But no, that's it. Like they paid their employees like $42 an hour. Yeah, you know, like the wages have been like really solid for it. And that was part of the original pitch mm. as well. A lot of these companies really did pitch them on the idea that like we're more ethical than Uber. Yeah. Because you know that your riders are getting a solid wage. Sometimes it was like an outright pitch from some and that they really use as a recruitment tool as you would. Yeah. And then a marketing tool because like people literally there were memes on Instagram about how hot milk run drivers were and stuff. Yeah. Which is also, again, <laughs> like low-key dystopian. It's like compared to the super lowly paid Uber drivers and like Deliveroo riders and stuff who are from- Yeah, like, like Bangladeshi exchange students. Yeah, exactly. On no, like we got this- these hot surfer guys that are like delivery. Like yeah, food. exactly. Basically, what you're saying is they're white or slightly European, like Brazilian <laughs> versus subcontinental, which is like pretty <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, t- totally. Instagram meme pages, busted. Yeah. The other side is that they cut back on how well they pay their drivers. They make the service not as good. Mm. And then what? You're left with something that's roughly the same level of what Woolies is offering. Yeah. So, why wouldn't you just shop with Woolies? Yeah. If you could magically wave a wand and they're allowed to burn $10 billion- Buy up, and this is another aspect we didn't mention. As you say, a lot of these launched during the pandemic when the idea was that commercial real estate was doomed and retail real estate was doomed oh, yeah. and people were like bailing. And so, therefore, like rent for commercial real estate was probably at its lowest point in the last 10 years. And then swiftly that reversed. If you could spend $10 billion and literally put one of a milk run hub in, I guess, 20 minute blocks, because it's in the middle, just mm-hmm. did the math, uh-huh. all over Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, or whatever, and kept the prices cheap tomorrow, then we would have much less need to go to Coles and Woolies. Definitely. Getting from here to there is the tough bit. (laughs) Not having $10 billion and only having $75 million. Yeah, exactly. Is the tough bit. And that definitely comes into it. Like, it's quite possible that this is the kind of business model, whichever way you approach it, whether you do go that luxury route or you go like the cheaper but less impressive service kind of thing. It's going to have a remark, insane cost outlay, mm. especially now that we talk about the scoop. And a lot of these companies definitely scooped up some like primo pandemic era real estate deals because this is commercial real estate like in some of the, by definition, the hottest suburbs mm. in Australia, inner city, desirable real estate, mm. which was at cut price because pandemic. That rent is almost certainly going up substantially. Yeah. To make that Australia-wide or whatever, you would need to be absolutely pumping money into it. So, it's quite possible this is just a really, at least for the early stage, capital-intensive business. Totally. Which and may you, not pay out at the end. And the rumours that Milk Run has tried to raise money twice, so Series B twice, and thus far unsuccessful in raising, I no one will give them money. Hence, probably why it's gone from 10 minutes to 40 minutes. So, presumably, they're closing down hubs. Another big key problem with it is that if you're paying your employees, they need to be riding basically 100% of the time. Anytime they're not taking an order, they're losing you money. But then, on the flip side- if they're busy and you have no spare capacity, then if you have more demand than supply, supply of drivers, then it's not going to be a 10-minute delivery anymore, blah, blah, blah. That's a hard problem to fix, which is why times would have blown out as well. They're employing less people, fewer people, so that they can make sure those people are riding around 100% of the time. 
with possibly fewer rental places. And here's where I end up. And they also, another thing they tried is opening up as a marketplace, right? You can buy from very- they've, they've oh, Like the, the fish markets and stuff like that. You can yeah. buy stuff straight from there. Next day, $40 minimum. Again, it's kind of not really, <laughs> it's not 10 minute milk. No, totally. You're really straying away from your core value proposition. And I feel like they were doing it at a point where, I think as we've talked about, the Milk Run brand is super strong. The rollout was great. All the branding was great. People know what it is, even if you don't use it. Mm. I would say like the mind share is like relatively strong, especially for such a new brand. But I think they jumped the gun in obviously in trying to find revenue because like who is going to be, oh, I, I really want some fresh fish. I'm going to go to a milk run for that shit. Yeah, I yeah. trust them to get it to me next day or something. Yeah, it yeah. just doesn't really seem to make any sense. Because part of my thinking originally as well is maybe the idea here, apart from all the soaring rhetoric about changing the way people shop or whatever, is it like they were going to build a really cool brand that lots of like a particular kind of demographic really liked and then we're just going to go palms outstretched to Woolworths and say, acquire me. The other rumours, and this is just like actual rumours, is, yeah, they were in talks on partnerships, quote-unquote, with Coles, Woolies and Uber, but partnerships obviously potentially being yeah. like acquire us or at least acquire a stake in us or whatever, keep us alive. Yeah, totally. Rumour. Yeah, please. We don't traffic in rumours normally, but sometimes the itch to be gossips grabs us mm. like a vice. Actually, I think it was the Australian who reported that. Oh, say what you will. Which, yeah, and I think the evidence is- I'm sure Woolworths would probably see some appeal in like their particular demo. Yeah. Being like, we should potentially have some sort of cool sub-brand. Metro 60, not particularly no. grabbing- or Having something like Milk Run, which like sits within our umbrella. They have brand differentiation between like BWS and Dan Murphy's and things like that. But what, so, they're pretty like, cool at breaking up their audiences. What, Endeavor Group, which was a spinoff from Woolworth, bought- What's it called? The Alcohol Delivery? Oh, Jimmy Brings. Jimmy Brings. Endeavor Group bought them. Although, yeah. that said, I don't know if this is a harbinger, but- the gossip in startup slash VC circles around town is that it was for less than $10 million, which is not a lot of money for a business that was more than 10 years old. Yeah, totally. Because Jimmy Brings, it's a pretty well-known brand, but again, like hard to make money. It's just hard to make money. Totally. Like, delivery businesses, hard to make money. But they, yeah, they suck. Especially for a commodity that people have price anchoring on. So, be it alcohol or be it a jar of peanut butter or milk, you know vaguely what it should cost. So, you automatically know how much more you're paying. Yeah, no, totally. Jimmy Breeze don't really have a moat because everyone does alcohol delivery now. Yeah, including Milk Run. And Milk Run does it. Yeah, like you can buy it off Uber, I'm pretty sure as well. Mm. Like there's Uber alcohol delivery. So, they didn't really have, apart from the striking brand of like Guy's Face. <laughs> the Guy's Face, Jimmy, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's Jimmy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd be able to spot him in a lineup. <laughs> 